chapter 4a of the phenomenology of mind volume 1 by george wilhelm frederick hegel translated by james black bailey this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter 4a independence and dependence of self-consciousness lordship and bondage translator's note the self-conscious of self in another self are of course distinct and separate from each other difference is and in the first instance a question of degree of self-assertion and self-maintenance one is stronger higher more independent than another and capable of asserting itself at the expense of the other still even this distinction of primary and secondary rests ultimately on their identity of constitution and the course of the analysis here gradually brings out this essential identity as the true fact the equality of the selves in the truth or complete realization of self in another self the affinity is higher and more ultimate than the disparity still the struggle and conflict of selves must be gone through in order to bring out the result hence the present section the background of hegel's thought is the remarkable human phenomenon of the subordination of oneself to another which we have in all forms of servitude whether slavery serfdom or voluntary services servitude is not only a phase of human history it is in principle a condition of the development and maintenance of the consciousness of self as a fact of experience end of translator's note self-consciousness exists in itself and for itself in that and by the fact that it exists for another self-consciousness that is to say it is only by being acknowledged or recognized the conception of this its unity in its duplication of infinitude realizing itself in self-consciousness has many sides to it and encloses within it elements of very significance thus its moments must be on the one hand strictly kept apart in detailed distinctiveness and on the other in this distinction must at the same time also be taken as not distinguished or must also be accepted and understood in their opposite sense this double meaning of what is distinguished lies in the nature of self-consciousness of its being infinite or directly the opposite of the determinateness in which it is fixed the detailed exposition of the notion of this spiritual unity in its duplication will bring before us the process of recognition self-consciousness has before it another self-consciousness it has come outside itself this has a double significance first it has lost its own self since it finds itself as another being secondly it has thereby sublated that other for it does not regard the other as essentially real but sees its own self in the other it must cancel out this other to do so is the sublation of that first double meaning and it is therefore a second double meaning first it must set itself to sublate the other independent being in order thereby to become certain of itself as true being secondly it thereupon proceeds to sublate its own self for this other is itself this sublation in a double sense of its otherness in a double sense is at the same time a return in a double sense to itself for firstly through sublation it gets back to itself because it becomes one with itself again through the cancelling of its otherness but secondly it likewise gives otherness back again to the other self-consciousness for it was aware of being in the other it cancels this in its own being out in the other and lets the other go free this process of self-consciousness 
in relation to another self-consciousness has in this manner been represented as the action of one alone but this action on the part of the one has itself the double significance of being at once its own action and the action of the other as well for the other is likewise independent shut up within itself and there is nothing in it which is not there through itself the first does not have the object before it in the way that the object primarily exists for desire but as an object existing independently for itself over which therefore it has no power to do anything for its own behoof if that object does not per se do what the first does to it the process then is absolutely the double process of both self-consciousnesses each sees the other do the same as itself each itself does what is demanded on the part of the other and for that reason does what it does only so far as the other does the same action from one side only would be useless because what is to happen can only be brought about by the means of both the action has the double entente not only in the sense that it is an act done to itself as well as to the other but also inasmuch as it is undivided entirety the act of the one as well as the other in this movement we see the process repeated which came before us as the play of forces in the present case however it is found in consciousness what in the former had effect only for us contemplating experience holds here for the terms themselves the middle term is self-consciousness which breaks itself up into the extremes and each extreme is this interchange of its own determinateness and complete transition into the opposite while qua consciousness it no doubt comes itself outside itself still in being outside itself it is at the same time restrained within itself for it exists for itself and its self-determination is for consciousness consciousness finds that it is immediately is and not another consciousness as also that this other is for itself only when it cancels itself as existing for itself and has self-existence only in the self-existence of the other each is the mediating term to the other through which each mediates and unites itself with itself and each is to itself and to the other an immediate self-existing reality which at the same time exists thus for itself only through this mediation they recognize themselves as mutually recognizing one another this pure conception of recognition of duplication of self-consciousness within its unity we must now consider in the way its process appears for self-consciousness it will in the first place present the aspect of disparity of the two or the break-up of the middle term into the extremes which qua extremes are opposed to one another and of which one is merely recognized while the other only recognizes self-consciousness is primarily simple existence for self self-identity by exclusion of every other form of itself it takes essential nature and absolute object to be ego and in its immediacy in this bare fact of its self-existence it is individual that which is other for it stands as unessential object as object with the impress and character of negation but the other is also a self-consciousness an individual makes its appearance in antithesis to an individual appearing thus in their immediacy they are for each other in the manner of ordinary objects they are independent individual forms modes of consciousness that have not arisen above the bare level of life 
for the existent object here has been determined as life they are moreover forms of consciousness which have not yet accomplished for one another the process of absolute abstraction of uprooting all immediate existence and of being merely the bare negative fact of self-identical consciousness or in other words they have not yet revealed themselves to each other as existing purely for themselves i e as self-consciousness each is indeed certain of its own self but not of the other hence its own certainty of itself is still without truth for its truth would be merely that its own individual existence for itself would be shown to it to be an independent object or which is the same thing that the object would be exhibited as this pure certainty of itself by the notion of recognition however this is not possible except in the form that as other is for it so it is for the other each in itself through its own action and again through the action of the other achieves this pure abstraction of existence for self the presentation of itself however as pure abstraction of self-consciousness consists in showing itself as a pure negation of its objective form or in showing that it is fettered to no determinate existence that it is not bound at all by the particularity everywhere characteristic of existence as such and is not tied up with life the process of bringing all this out involves a twofold action action on the part of the other and action on the part of itself in so far as it is the other's action each aims at the destruction and death of the other but in this there is implicated also the second kind of action self-activity for each implies that it risks its own life the relation of both self-consciousnesses in this way is so constituted that they prove themselves and each other through a life-and-death struggle they must enter into this struggle for they must bring the certainty of themselves the certainty of being for themselves to the level of objective truth and make this a fact both in the case of the other and in the case of their own as well and it is solely by risking life that freedom is obtained only thus it is tied and proved that the essential nature of self-consciousness is not bare existence it is not the merely immediate form in which at first it makes its appearance it is not its mere absorption in the expanse of life rather it is thereby guaranteed that there is nothing present but what might be taken as a vanishing moment that self-consciousness is merely pure self-existence being for itself the individual who has not staked his life may no doubt be recognized as a person but he has not attained the truth of this recognition as an independent self-consciousness in the same way each must aim at the death of the other as it risks his own life thereby for that other is to it of no more worth than itself the other's reality is presented to the former as an external other as an outside self it must cancel that externality the other is a purely existent consciousness and entangled in manifold ways it must regard its otherness as pure existence for itself or as absolute negation this trying and testing however by struggle to the death cancels both the truth which it was to result from it and therewith the certainty of self altogether for just as life is the natural position of consciousness independence without absolute negativity so death is the natural negation of consciousness negation without independence 
which thus remains without the requisite significance of actual recognition. Through death, doubtless, there has arisen the certainty that both did stake their life, and held it lightly both in their own case and in the case of the other. But that is not for what those who underwent this struggle. They cancel their consciousnesses, which had its place in this alien element of natural existence. In other words, they cancel themselves and are sublated as terms or extremes seeking to have existence on their own account. But along with this, there vanishes from the play of change the essential moment, viz., that of breaking up into extremes with opposite characteristics, and the middle term collapses into a lifeless unity which is broken up into lifeless extremes, merely existent and not opposed. And the two do not mutually give and receive one another back from each other through consciousness. They let one another go quite indifferently like things. Their act is abstraction negation, not the negation characteristic of consciousness, which cancels in such a way that it preserves and maintains what is sublated, and thereby survives its being sublated. In this experience of self-consciousness, becomes aware that life is essential to it as pure self-consciousness. In immediate self-consciousness, the simple ego is absolute object, which, however, is, for us, or in itself, absolute mediation, and has as its essential moment substantial and solid independence. The dissolution of that simple unity is the result of the first experience. Through this there is posited a pure self-consciousness, and a consciousness which is not purely for itself, but for another, i.e. as an existent consciousness, consciousness in the form of shape and thinghood. Both moments are essential, since in the first instance they are unlike and opposed, and their reflection into unity has not yet come to light. They stand as two opposed forms or modes of consciousness. The one is independent, whose essential nature is to be for itself. The other is dependent, whose essence is life or existence for another. The former is the master or lord. The latter is the bondsman. The master is the consciousness that exists for itself, but no longer merely the general notion of existence for self. Rather, it is consciousness which, while existing in its own account, is mediated with itself through another consciousness, viz., bound up with an independent being, or with thinghood in general. The master brings himself into relation to both these moments, to a thing as such, the object of desire, and to the consciousness whose essential character is thinghood, and since the master, qua notion of self-consciousness, is a, an immediate relation of self-existence, but is now moreover at the same time b, mediation, or a being for itself, which is for itself only through another, he, the master, stands in relation a, immediately to both, b, immediately to each through the other. The master relates himself to the bondsman immediately through their independent existence, for that is precisely what keeps the bondsman in thrall. It is his chain from which he could not, in the struggle, get away and for that reason he proves himself dependent, shows that his independence consists in being a thing. The master, however, is the power controlling this state of existence, for he has shown in the struggle that he holds existence to be merely something negative. Since he is the power dominating the negative nature of existence, while this existence again is the power controlling the other, the bondsman, the master holds, par consequence, the other in subordination. In this way, 
the master relates himself to the thing mediately through the bondsman the bondsman being a self-consciousness in the broad sense also takes up a negative attitude to things and cancels them but the thing is at the same time independent for him and in consequence he cannot with all his negation get so far as to annihilate it outright and be done with it that is to say he merely works on it to the master on the other hand by means of this mediating process belongs the immediate relation the sense of pure negation of it in other words he gets the enjoyment what mere desire does not attain he now succeeds in attaining viz to have done with the thing and to find satisfaction in enjoyment desire alone did not get the length of this because of the independence of the thing the master however who has interposed the bondsman between it and himself thereby relates himself merely to the dependence of the thing and enjoys it without qualification and without reserve this aspect of its independence he leaves to the bondsman who labours upon it in these two moments the master gets his recognition through another consciousness for in them the latter affirms itself as unessential both by working upon the thing and on the other hand by the fact of being dependent on a determinate existence in neither case can this other get the mastery over existence and succeed in absolutely negating it we have thus here this moment of recognition viz that the other consciousness cancels itself as self-existent and ipso facto itself does what the first does to it in the same way we have the other moment this this action on the part of the second is the action proper of the first for what is done by the bondsman is properly an action on the part of the master the latter exists only for himself in his essential nature he is the negative power without qualification a power to which the thing is naught and thus is absolutely essential action in this situation while the bondsman's is not so his is an unessential activity but for recognition proper there is needed the moment that what the master does to the other he should also do to himself and what the bondsman does to himself he should also do to the other also on that account a form of recognition has arisen that is one-sided and unequal in all this the inessential consciousness is for the master the object which embodies the truth of his certainty of himself but it is evident that this object does not correspond to its notion for just where the master has effectively achieved lordship he really finds that something has come about quite different from an independent consciousness it is not independent but rather a dependent consciousness that he has achieved he is thus not assured of self-existence as his truth he finds that his truth is rather the unessential consciousness and the fortuitous unessential action of that consciousness the truth of the independent consciousness is accordingly the consciousness of the bondsman this doubtless appears in the first instance outside it and not as the truth of self-consciousness but just as lordship showed its essential nature to be the reverse of what it wants to be so too bondage will when completed pass into the opposite of what it immediately is being a consciousness repressed within itself it will enter into itself and change around into real and true independence we have seen what bondage is only in relation to lordship but it is a self-consciousness and we have now to consider what it is in this regard in and for itself in the first instance the master is taken to be the essential reality for the state of bondage 
hence for it the truth is the independent consciousness existing for itself although this truth is not yet taken as inherent in bondage itself still it does in fact contain within it this truth of pure negativity and self-existence because it has experience of this reality within it for this self-consciousness was not in peril and fear for this element or that nor for this or that moment of time it was afraid for its entire being it felt the fear of death it was in mortal terror of its sovereign master it has been in that experience melted into its inmost soul it has trembled throughout its every fibre the stable foundation of its whole being have quaked within it this complete perturbation of its entire substance this absolute dissolution of all its stability into fluid continuity is however the simple ultimate nature of self-consciousness absolute negativity pure self-referent existence which consequently is involved in this type of consciousness this moment of pure existence is moreover a fact for it for in the master this moment is consciously his object further this bondsman's consciousness is not only his total dissolution in a general way in serving and toiling the bondsman actually carries this out by serving he cancels in every particular moment his dependence on and attachment to natural existence and by his work removes this existence away the feeling of absolute power however realized both in general and in the particular form of service is only dissolution implicitly and albeit the fear of his lord is the beginning of wisdom consciousness is not therein aware of being self-existent through work and labour however this consciousness of the bondsman comes to itself in the moment which corresponds to desire in the case of the master's consciousness the aspect of the non-essential relation to the thing seemed to fall to the lot of the servant since the thing there attained its independence desire has reserved to itself the pure negating of the object and thereby unalloyed feelings of itself this satisfaction however just for that reason is itself only a state of evanescence for it lacks objectivity or subsistence labour on the other hand is desire restrained and checked evanescence delayed and postponed in other words labour shapes and fashions the thing the negative relation to the object passes into the form of the object into something that is permanent and remains because it is just for the labourer that the object has independence this negative mediating agency this activity giving shape and form is at the same time the individual existence the pure self-existence of that consciousness which now in the work it does is externalized and passes into the condition of permanence the consciousness that toils and serves accordingly comes by this means to view that independent being as itself but again shaping or forming the object has not only the positive significance that the bondsman becomes thereby aware of himself as factually and objectively self-existent this type of consciousness has also a negative import in contrast with its first movement the element of fear for in shaping the thing it only becomes aware of its own proper negativity its existence on its own account as an object through the fact that it cancels the actual form from confronting it but this objective element is precisely the alien external reality before which it trembled 
Now, however, it destroys this extraneous alien negative, affirms and sets itself up as a negative in the element of permanence, and thereby becomes aware of being objectively for itself. In the master this self-existence is felt to be another, is only external, in fear the self-existence is present implicitly, in fashioning the thing, self-existence comes to be felt explicitly as its own proper being, and it attains the consciousness that itself exists in its own right and on its own account, and und für sich. By the fact that the form is objectified, it does not become something other than the consciousness moulding the thing through work, for just that form is its pure self-existence, which therein becomes truly realised. Thus precisely in labour, where there seemed to be merely some outsider's mind and ideas involved, the bondsman becomes aware, through his own rediscovery of himself, of having and being a mind of his own. For this reflection of self into self, the two moments fear and service in general, and also that of the formative activity, are necessary, and at the same time both must exist in a universal manner. Without the discipline of service and obedience, fear remains formal and does not spread over the whole known reality of existence. Without the formative activity shaping the thing, fear remains inward and mute, and consciousness does not become objective for itself. Should consciousness shape and form the thing, without the initial statement of absolute fear, then it has merely a vain and futile mind of its own. For its form or negativity is not negativity per se, and hence its formative activity cannot furnish the consciousness of itself as essentially real. If it has endured not absolute fear, but merely some slight anxiety, the negative reality has remained external to it. Its substance has not been through and through affected thereby. Since the entire content of its natural consciousness has not tottered and shaken, it is still inherently a determinate mode of being, a having a mind of its own. De Eigensinn. It is simply stubbornness, Eigensinn, a type of freedom which does not get beyond the attitude of bondage. The less the pure form can become its essential nature, the less that form, as overspreading and controlling particulars, a universal formative activity, an absolute notion, is rather a piece of cleverness, which has mastery within a certain range, but does not wield universal power and dominate the entire objective reality. End of chapter 4a, recording by Morris in Arlsey, Bedfordshire.